Maciejewski. Most Sundays, you can find me right here at the Welcome and Information Desk in Mission Central. If you would like more information about our church, please feel free to pick up a welcome folder at the back of the sanctuary at the Connection site or from the Welcome and Information Desk. And for everyone, we would like for you to fill out a friendship card. If you would like to receive our newsletter, be sure to fill in your address. On the back, you can put down prayer concerns, blessings, or notes to the staff. Welcome to Pendleton Center Church, and have a good day. Good morning. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. That the Lord has made. Let us rejoice. pray. Holy Lord, we come here today to glorify you, to praise you. We pray that you will find this service of worship a blessing. We pray that you will give to us your presence, an incredible encounter with your spirit, that we will draw closer to you and know your will and your way, that we may praise you even more and love you even more in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I invite you all to stand if you're able as we sing together, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee. Strive, joyful music, live. 
Lord be with you. Please be seated. Hi, I'm Eugene from Hearts and Hands. We're a volunteer organization that uses volunteers to drive senior citizens places where they need to go. We had a gentleman once uh, get picked up by a volunteer who drove a convertible and when he came outside she was raising the convertible and he said, why are you doing that? I want to drive in your convertible and I want my hair to fly all over the place. So she took him to the doctor's office and his hair flew all over the place. But when people in the doctor's office asked him, is that your car? He said yes. Because he had not been in a convertible for a long time and had that volunteer not picked him up, he would not have had that wonderful experience. And everyone at the doctor's office loved him. So if you want to find out more about Hearts and Hands and how you can help seniors get places where they need to go, come and see us at our table and we'll talk to you about volunteering and meeting other seniors just like him. And there is a table for Hearts and Hands out in the Fellowship Hall, and you are welcome to go and stop by and chat with Heidi, who is going to be available to answer your questions and give you some info about this wonderful and important ministry where neighbors are helping neighbors out. Um, you'll also notice that there are a couple of clipboards going around. One of them is for support of our Niagara Falls dinner, wonderful outreach to the community, a service of worship. We feed their bodies, we feed their souls, we feed their spirits and point them to Jesus. Amen? Amen. That's an important thing to be doing. And to support all of those ministries, to invoke God's presence and God's will and God's wisdom into our ministries, we have a prayer vigil coming up. And you're going to notice um, a, a clipboard going around for that as well. You can sign up for a time to pray here in the sanctuary or to pray from home. Next week we'll have prayer guides available that will help guide you in prayer as we're um, continuing on in that and in your pew or pew in the seats in front of you somewhere in the pockets either orange or we ran out of orange so we made some white ones up you'll find a prayer request card that is specifically for the prayer vigil and if you're interested if you have a prayer uh, need or you know of someone with a prayer need you're welcome to write that request on that card you can either put it in the offering plate as it's going by or if you don't think of it till later in the service you can drop it in one of the locked wooden boxes that are in various places around the church and um, we'll make sure that we get a hold of those and get them all put together for the vig vigil so those requests can be prayed over I am joyful to be with he uh, you here this morning, and I know that you have joys as well. What joys do you have to, to um, share this morning? Becky? I'm share a God Becky's going to share a God moment. Stand up, stand up. Here you go. Wait, here. Oh, dear. <laughs> it has everything to do with the Christ Healing Hands ministry. We we're having a health fair, and we had tried to get units to come here for a blood drive. We had requested this way back early spring. Connecting with them again, they said, sorry. You're not on our calendar. But, okay, give us a couple weeks. This week, they called back and said, oh, on this day and this time, we have an opening. And they had none prior. I think that's God working in the mix. 
Amen. Amen. If we're, we're needing God to be out here to have that um, particular kind of work represented as part of our ministry, then we need to have them, have them here. And God has provided for that. Any other joys? Yes. Amen. Kelsey is engaged to Marty Lloyd. That is a blessing. Praise God. Any others? Yes. Carol. All right, thanks for prayers for healing ongoing and for Chet's continued recovery. Amen? Amen. Any other joys to share this morning? I know that we are overflowing because God blesses us to overflowing so we can be a blessing to others. Let's return some of that blessing back to the work of the Lord in our gifts, our tithes, and our offerings. This morning feeling fine I woke up with heaven on my mind I woke up with joy in my soul Cause I knew my Lord had control Well, I knew I was walking in the light Cause I've been on my knees in the night And I prayed till the Lord gave a sign
dear Heavenly Father, what a blessing it is to be with you this morning, to offer up our songs of praise and worship to you, to offer our thanksgivings before you, knowing that all good things that we have come from you. We just ask that you would bless this offering this morning, Lord, in Jesus' name. Give us wisdom to know how to use it for the furtherance of your kingdom, that many would come to faith in Jesus Christ and would be helped in whatever circumstances they find themselves in. To the glory of your name, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let's turn to the Lord in prayer. Gracious God, we are so grateful for your presence in our lives, that you have called us into your presence, that you have called us into your kingdom to live with you, to be your servants, to be your hands and your feet, your words of encouragement and comfort in this world. Father, we pray in Jesus' name right now for all of those who are sick and infirm. We pray that they would receive a touch of healing from you in their spirits, their souls, and their bodies, Lord, that they may be made whole in you. Help them, Lord, each one, to be well-equipped to be a blessing to those they encounter because you have blessed them abundantly. Whoever it is that they may be, Lord God, whoever it is that they may come in contact with, that they would show your grace and your mercy because of their witness, the witness of your presence in their lives as you bring about healing, comfort, and peace in their spirit. We pray for all of those who are facing surgeries, those who are facing tests of all kinds, those who are in pain, Lord God. Let them all be well. We pray, Lord God, for those who are grieving, who have experienced loss in their lives, those in particular who are feeling it intensely right now, we just pray in Jesus' name for your spirit to bring them comfort. That they would be surrounded by your presence. And that words of love and encouragement and comfort would come through your people for them in Jesus' name. Pray, Lord God, that you would prepare us, equip us, Lord God, to be well able to minister in this world. We just pray in Jesus' name, Lord God, that you would show us what to do, where to go, what to say, how to be as we witness for you. Help people see Jesus in us and to desire you. We pray that this service of worship 
would equip us for that. We pray that all of our services of worship would be blessed so that we may be blessings to all of the people who come, that they would go forth from this place as a blessing to others. So be with us in this service this morning. Be with the gathering band and those who are leading this evening. Be with all of our brothers and sisters in Christ who are in worship today. Help us all, Lord God. Make our worship to be a blessing to you. And let it bless us so we may bless others. Prepare Pastor Tom to present for us the message that you've given for him this day. Let the word be proclaimed as it should be. Let it challenge us. Let it bless us. Let it bring us to a new place in you as we desire to go deeper with you than we ever have been before. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name that you may be glorified, Lord. Amen. Shall we hear from the word of the Lord? Today's reading is from Romans chapter 13, verses 8 through 14. Let no debt remain outstanding, except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this, understanding the present time, the hour has already come for you to wake from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over, the day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently, as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Keely. This morning we continue in the book of Romans. We're getting quite near the end. We're in chapter 13 of Romans, and we're going to talk today about how we make decisions choices we make. And sometimes just who and what we are as people makes a radical difference as to how we react to the same thing. Like this.
how if women wear the same dress, they freak out. Pastor Matt used to show up in the same shirt as I, and we go, yeah! <laughs> it just depends on where we're coming from. The choices we make, the reactions we have, are determined by who and what we are. And today I want to talk to you about choices. We make choices what to wear. This morning I had a choice of what to put on. So the other day my wife went to Burlington and my daughter had gotten this great discount, so she bought me this new jacket. Someone said I look like I belong in the Rat Pack. A lot of you don't even know what that means, you know. I go with Bobby Darren, somewhere beyond the sea, somewhere waiting for me. We have choices. How are we going to dress? What will that do to the people around us? How will they react? We think about it, whether we realize it or not. It's rare to find somebody that just throws something on. We usually put a little thought into it. In verse 14 of this passage, it says, Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on Jesus the way we would put on the clothing we have, considering all the possibilities of what we could do. We have choices. This passage talks to us about choosing the day or the night, the armor of light or the deeds of darkness, decency or debauchery, clothes of Christ or the desires of the flesh. We can choose. We can choose to be loving, or we can choose to be selfish and hurtful. In our story today, I want to talk to you about a a mother-in-law and her daughter-in-law. Probably the most famous mother-in-law and daughter-in-law that ever existed. You see, there was a woman who went to a foreign country. She went with her husband, and they had two young sons who grew up, and as they grew up, they married two women. And in the course of time, this woman had the tragedy of losing her husband. But even more so, as these young sons had married their new wives... They hadn't had any children before they died as well. It was a tragedy. And in the tragedy, the mother-in-law said, it's not right for you to stay with me. I have nothing to offer you. I'm too old. I'm going back to my home country. You go back to your homes. Go find yourself a nice boy and settle down. The one daughter-in-law said, I'm sorry to see you go, but I'm going home. And she hugged her mother-in-law and went home. And the other one said, where you go, I will go. Where you live, I will live. Your people will be my people. Where you die, I will die. Everybody know the name of that daughter-in-law? Ruth. Ruth. And her mother-in-law, Naomi. And so these two women went back to Israel. They were devastated. They not only had lost their husbands, but Naomi had lost her children And in that culture, and in some regards, even still in ours, there's a sense that if you have no children, you have no future, no destiny. It's like you've been cut off. And so Naomi is feeling particularly cut off. 
What do we do when we face struggles? We all have choices of how we're going to live. Let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light, Paul tells us. Choose to do what's right, and we have a choice. People who don't have God in their lives don't have a choice because we're facing the power of evil. We're facing the power of sin. We're facing an archangel that tempts us named Satan. And compared to that, in our own power, we have no ability. Most likely, we'll give in more than we won't to temptation. That's why when we look at people without God in their lives, we look at people who are really lacking power. We shouldn't have contempt. We shouldn't even have judgment. We should simply have sympathy and try to give them the power as well. But we don't live that way because the scripture says, greater is the one that is in us than the one that is in the world. In Romans 6, just a a, a few chapters earlier, it says, we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. But anyone who has died has been set free from sin. We no longer have to do what sin tells us. So we should always be living, as Paul says, as if it's daytime. As if whatever we're doing matters because people are watching and what they think of us, what they, 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 they see by our actions and our appearances will affect what they think about our Lord. I lost my original wedding ring doing gardening. It's somewhere out in the front yard of the parsonage next door. If anybody's got a metal detector, it probably is. But quite a number of years ago, my wife bought me a new wedding ring. And this one has a little cross on it. So when I'm out in public, I know that when I put my hand on the counter or I put my hand anywhere, people see a cross. And they think, oh, he's a Christian. How's he acting? Sometimes I actually, on my way to a hospital or something, wear a clergy collar. Now I'm really sensitive to what people are thinking. I can't drive wrong. I can't go over the speed limit. I can't consider any of the things that most normal people would consider thinking because I'm reflecting Christ. But we should be doing that in all that we are, right? Putting on our lives in such a way that we show the world that Christ lives in us, that Christ dwells in us, that he has changed us, that we live a different life. In the scriptures, it says there's two great commands. You should know what they are. The first one is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second, it says, is like it, and it's actually repeated in here by Paul, to love your neighbor as yourself. However, it also talks about little laws in here. So in in verse 9, it says to us, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other commandments there are. And they're summed up in the laws to love our neighbor as ourselves, to love God with all our heart. We have the little laws because the little laws help us to understand what love really is. Because love in our culture as a word that means all sorts of things. The Greek actually thought love was so complicated, they had four words for love. We have one. So I love a donut. And I love my wife. Not exactly the same thing. I love the Buffalo Bills winning. Yeah. 
and I love a nice day of rest. They're not the same thing. And how we define love for God and how we define love for our neighbor is, is, is something we need to learn, which is why we have the Scripture, so that we can read and understand and see how these little laws make a difference. Like the law, you shall not covet. Which, by the way, is, is countercultural in our world. You've been taught since you could ever take anything in that you're supposed to covet. Madison Avenue has spent billions of dollars to get you to want to covet. You must have the best, and especially if your neighbor does. I have an old phone. It's not a dumb phone. It's like a, like a first-generation smartphone, right? Its screen is cracked. But it works. Now, now what I understand is I'm supposed to get a, a, a new iPhone 33 or something like that but I don't care. And I don't care if you have one. That's okay. Goody, goody for you. I, I'm okay with my old, beat-up, cracked screen phone. I might replace it someday if I think it's not going to work, but it works. My brother went to Hawaii this week. Now, I have to tell you the truth. My wife and I, we've always wanted to go to Hawaii. We actually planned it on our 25th wedding anniversary. We were going to go to Hawaii on a trip. But Jackie got orders from the military, and she either had to go for training on one date or another. One date was our 25th wedding anniversary, and the other date was the day my grandson was born. So we spent our 25th wedding anniversary, instead of in Hawaii, in a comfort inn in Erie, Pennsylvania. But does that mean that I covet what my my brother has? I'm happy for what my brother has. I think it's wonderful that he and his wife are away and enjoying a time of rest and and enjoyment. Coveting isn't good for our relationships, and so the Bible says we shouldn't do it. And the way we know what love is is by God giving us all these other laws. Now, 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 the problem is is sometimes... We think the little laws are more important than they really are. Sometimes the little laws are not the number one priority. Even police officers know this. Last night, Alicia Collins called her husband at work when her contractions got closer. I couldn't get home fast enough. She called me. I've been waiting for the call for weeks now. To make matters more stressful, Patrick got stuck at a red light at the corner of Forrest and Smith He did what any husband would do. So I hurried up and went, and the officer pulled me over. I didn't see him. Nor would police officer Chris Koifer approach the car. He says he could tell Patrick was frantic. I told him, I said, uh, my wife's in labor, man. I got to go. I got to go. And he's like, oh, okay. What hospital? And then I screamed, Christ! And... The cop was like, okay, have a great day. Haven was born shortly after they arrived at the hospital. It was the only Christmas present her big brother Zane and sister Brooke wanted. And her parents now have a story to tell her. I did not want to deliver in a car. And, yeah, he would have probably had to deliver because she was right there. So if you're about to deliver a baby, you actually can break the traffic laws. I can tell you that. 
Because to get to the hospital so the baby is safely born, everybody knows is more important than going the exact posted speed limit. In verse 10 it says, Love does no harm to the neighbor, therefore love is a fulfillment of the law. And we know what love is because God has given us the ability to learn about it. But it's not reading a list of laws like the Ten Commandments. It's understanding the entire book so we can see what happens when, when conflicting laws run into each other, when, when, when a law that God has made here conflicts with another law over here, and we have to choose what's the most loving response. We can choose to do what's right because we have the power of God in us. But we don't always choose what's right. We can also find ourselves tempted. Sometimes even good people. Christian people make bad choices because they feel somehow they either have no choice or the temptations overcome them. Ruth was in a desperate situation. She worked as best she could, going out in the fields, trying to take in some crops in a man's field named Boaz. But she had no future. And she was the only support for her mother-in-law, Naomi. Things were not looking good. There's a time of the year called harvest time. And Boaz had a crop of barley. Probably bigger than this, but something like this. And what Boaz did was he went down to the mill to get his barley ground. This is what you did if you were a farmer back then. And what would happen is they would work all day long to mill their their grain, and then they would take their grain, and they would sell it to the merchants that have money jingling in their pocket. It was the time of the year that farmers had the most money jingling in their their pockets. And so Boaz went down to to the mill, and just like every other time, he ground his crop, he got his money, he had a big meal and something to drink. And lay down for the evening. Naomi knew that Boaz had in the corner of his eye this young woman, Ruth, working in his field. So she said to her daughter-in-law, here's what I want you to do. I want you to head down to the mill. Because what you're going to find is Boaz is going to have had a big meal, something to drink. He's going to feel really good. I want you to put on your nicest clothes. Wear a little perfume. And when you get down there, you're going to watch and see where she, he sleeps. And I want you to slip in under the covers with him and do whatever he says. It's an interesting thing because the mill had a lot of people that would go to it who worked in what sometimes is referred to the oldest profession because that's where the money was. And Naomi knew this. And even though it wasn't the right thing to do, even though the Bible would say this isn't how we should live, they were feeling desperate, and so these people who otherwise in many ways would be what we'd call good were going to do something that really wasn't right. When I was reading this passage in Romans, it kind of struck me because Paul is writing to church people. Church people in the city of Rome 
And he says to them, the night is nearly over, the day is almost here, so let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. I thought that was an odd list, don't you? He's writing to Christians. And he's saying you shouldn't be doing this, which implies that they are doing this. Temptation. Temptation to do what we know will not only hurt us, but will hurt others around us and certainly hurt our relationship with God. Paul says we shouldn't do this. And the scripture tells us that any temptation that might come your way, any temptation to do wrong, we can overcome. In Corinthians, it says to us, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to people. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can endure it. Some people think this means that God will never give you something more difficult or more of a struggle in your life than you can handle. Believe me, people get a lot of difficulties that are hard to handle. It might even be too much to handle. But that's not a temptation. A temptation means that God is sending a test to see whether you will choose to do what's right or to do what's wrong, to make a choice. What choice will you make? And what he said is he has given you the ability through the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome any temptation. Because we're not citizens of this world. Remember, we talked about this last week. We're citizens of eternity. We have a hope in store for us that is more than this life. Naomi felt that her only future was in the child she didn't have. We know we have a future waiting for us in glory that doesn't depend on anything but our faith in God. But temptation comes, and it can hurt us. The other day I was at a, a, a little gathering with some friends, and they brought out the dessert tray. Really. A moment on the lips, a life, oh, forget that part, I don't care. My concern is, is that I am this close to having diabetes. Which means if I eat too much sugar, I'm going to have real serious health problems. But if I'm careful and I resist the temptation, I actually could be reasonably healthy. That's my choice. I ate the dessert. (laughs) It's good. I like dessert. I ate two desserts. I started reaching for a third dessert. And I said, no. No. That's enough. A little bit of sugar won't destroy my health. But how much before I step over that boundary? The problem is, is in that moment, in that moment, I don't see the harm. In that moment, all I see is a possibility of pleasure because we become people of the moment. We live for today, right now. What satisfaction can I get right here? We don't want to wait. But as Christians, we're supposed to be people with a long-term view. We live for eternity. Verse 11 says, 
Do this understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Eternity is right around the corner. And we have a choice whether we're going to take a moment of joy now or we're going to have an eternity of everlasting joy and pleasure. People say to me sometimes, you've heard me say this, They'll talk about problems they're having, and then they'll say something like, well, better than the alternative, meaning, you know, to die. And I say, no, it's not. I'm looking forward to the alternative. Can you imagine a place where everybody made nothing but the right choices? Every single time, all they made was the right and loving choices. That's eternity. There's no more sorrow or pain or suffering or struggle. I'm looking forward to it. Eternity should set our priorities that the life to come is better than the one we have now. Which doesn't mean you should be signing up to go sooner. Because God has a reason why you're here. And you have a purpose, even if you don't realize it, from God. Boaz had a choice. A young woman slipped in under the covers with him. He found her attractive. He'd had a nice meal and a hard day's work and a few drinks. What would he do? She had instructions from her mother-in-law to do whatever he said. And he said, young woman, you need to go home. I appreciate that you're flattering this old man this way. But you need to go home. This isn't the way things should be. Hmm. Fascinating that that Boaz understood that he had a choice between having a short-term fling with a mistress or having a wife that he could build a life, a heritage with. But it wasn't so simple as he could just marry her because there was something called a kinsman redeemer in that day and age, which meant that there actually were rights to marriage. So there was a relative of Naomi's who had a right to claim Ruth as his wife. Boaz went to the city gates and asked them, do you want to redeem her? Do you want to claim her? The man said, I've already got a wife. I don't need another one. Thank you very much. And so Boaz stepped in as what the Bible calls a goel, a kinsman redeemer, and redeemed her, made her not his mistress, but his wife. And that choice not only affected his life right then and there, but it It affected lives to come right down to today. Remember a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about a a prostitute. Anybody remember her name? Rahab. Rahab was the prostitute who helped the spies in Jericho. Let's find out what happened with Rahab. Solomon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was, oh, Boaz's mother was Rahab. 
Boaz knew what it was like to grow up in a household where everybody talked about his mother, where everybody had a bad idea about his mom, where everybody whispered about his mother, and he wasn't going to do that to Ruth. So Boaz married Ruth, and they became the father of Elbed, who was the father of Jesse, and Jesse was the father of King David, and we know that King David is the ancestor of Jesus. The decisions Boaz made that night had consequences right down to our lives. He became a kinsman redeemer for Ruth. And Christ becomes our Goel, our redeemer. And asks us to live a life that would show that we're, we're grateful, that we're, we're proud of our relationship. And in verse 8 it says, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The debt remaining is love. We pay back Jesus, our Redeemer, the one who paid the price for you and me by loving the people made in his image the way we would want to be loved. So that someday when we get to eternity and we stand before Jesus, maybe we can feel okay about who we are and what our life was. You see, love is not just an idea. It's not just a a feeling. Love is an action. It's lived out. We look at this list of all these kind of things people can do wrong. That's not love. Love isn't defined by, by all the bad things or even avoiding the bad things. Love is an action that we implement with others. In Galatians, it gives us some idea with the fruits of the Spirit. Do you remember those? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Very good. It says against these there is no law. That's love. I was talking to a prisoner of ours who said that she had a a friend who was trying to remember those gifts of the, uh, those fruits of the Spirit. And so she, she took a bath towel and she embroidered them on there for her friend so that her friend, when she got up in the morning, every single morning, as she was getting ready, she would see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I thought, that's cool. That's cool. We should all have that. It doesn't have to be a bath towel. It could just be a little note in the mirror. It would be something we keep in our wallet. It might be something that we have on the dashboard of our car. Just something that reminds us every day what love is supposed to be. Because what we think about makes a difference. Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't think about how to gratify the desires of your flesh. Because what we think about is what we usually become. In Philippians, Paul says to us, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. Because if we practice these kind of beautiful, wonderful, loving things, we'll feel at peace. Because I'll tell you the truth, you don't feel at peace when you do wrong, you feel at peace when you do right. You know that. This morning you had a choice. You could come up, get up and come to church, or you could stay home. You're all going to walk out of here saying, I feel good. 
It doesn't really even matter what happens today. You just feel good because you made the right choice, right? That's what happens when we make the right choice. We feel that peace. And, and, and love is more than that. It means we can actually be a redeemer for other people. We can repay that debt, that obligation. Because somewhere along the line, people loved you. Somewhere along the line, you shared and received love. And how we repay a debt of love is by giving that love back to the people who showed us love in the first place. When I was thinking about this, you've seen this video, but I'm going to show it to you again. This came to mind. Wind blowing on my face, sidewalk flying beneath my back. A five-year-old's first taste of what freedom's really like. You can let go now. You can let go Your little girl is ready To do this on my own Foundation for a better life. People love us. We repay the debt by loving in return. And then generations pass it on. Boaz not only redeemed Ruth, he redeemed two women that day. Naomi was feeling broken. She had lost her husband, she had lost her children, she had lost her sense of life and even purpose. And right after Boaz made this decision, around 10 months later, he took a little baby and placed it in Naomi's arms. And all of a sudden, she was redeemed again. How do we bring redemption into the world? What do we put on so the world can see Christ in us? Did you notice the word that that woman yelled when the man said, what hospital do you want to go to? <laughs> it's a hospital called Christ Memorial. But what did we hear? Christ! She was willing to shout Christ to the whole world. Put on Christ. Put on the love of God. Because when we wear Jesus, we bring redemption. We bring transformation. We change lives. We redeem the world around us. And the people come to see who Jesus really is. They know him by the debt of love we pay to the whole world.
within us, if we call ourselves a Christian, moving within us, and we have to participate with the Holy Spirit. Part of the Holy Spirit's job is to convict us when we've gone wrong and to lead us into the holiness of God, lead us on to perfection. And so as we prepare ourselves for a table of grace where God's love and forgiveness is offered to everyone, let's have a prayer of confession together. Lord, I have sinned. I recognize your conviction, and I repent of my sin. Lead me in your way. Cleanse me. Make me whole, that I may glorify you in every moment of my days. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. And this proves God's love for you and for me. So, in the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. Glory, Glory to, to God. God. Amen. Amen. And now, as confident children of God, let's greet one another with the peace of the Holy Spirit.
table of the Lord is offered to everyone. God's grace is offered to everyone because God loves everyone, each and every one of us. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through your prophets. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. Your Spirit anointed him to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to announce the time had come when you would save your people. He healed the sick, fed the hungry, and ate with sinners. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. At his ascension, you exalted him to sit and reign with you at your right hand. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he gave thanks to you. He broke the bread and gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup. He gave thanks. said, this is the blood of the new covenant, poured out for you, poured out for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Drink of this often, remembering me. And so, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. 
And now, as confident children of God, let's pray the prayer that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Will those who are serving please come forward? I'd like to invite you all to stand if you're able as we sing together Made to Worship.
try to hurt each other before they get hurt. They're worried that they're going to have somebody attack them. But you are the redeemed of God. You are the people who have been purchased by your Savior. Not because of how good you are, but because of how good he is. You've been loved, embraced by a living and wonderful God. I said, we don't have to live that way. Somebody asked me last night why I didn't do this. (laughs) We're supposed to live inside out. Showing the love of God to everyone around us. Showing that soft, wonderful feeling that God gave to us. Not because we won't get hurt, but because we can bring love and healing and hope and possibilities. You're the redeemed of God. Put on Christ. Go live in this world with the confidence of knowing you have eternity waiting for you. And that God will bless you to be a blessing. Go in his peace. Amen.